Welcome to another edition of Boilers Extra. I'm Nathan Baird from the Journal and Courier, along with Mike Carmen of the Journal and Courier. We cover Purdue sports here, and um, coming down to the end of the basketball season, I'm thawed out from my, my latest trip to Minnesota. <laughs> uh, always a nice, balmy, single-digit experience up there, and uh, and not a good experience for Purdue coming out of a loss, um, a 73-69 loss, so now... Their chance to play for an outright Big Ten championship has gone by the wayside, and they're they're playing to to share things at best on Saturday. Um, and in the kind of the narrative that came out of that game a little bit was, yeah, it's a disappointing loss, but they would have taken this in December. I had a little bit of trouble with that just because I feel like there was so much at stake potentially to not just win the outright championship, but to be the number one seed and uh, to have just played a better game. Um, Tuesday night than they did in Minneapolis. Yeah, I, I hate that. I hate that. It, granted, this team was not expected to challenge at the beginning of the year. I get that. And they were 6-5 and five after the, the crossroads, right? Yes. Or something like that. Yes, 6-5. and five. So you put yourself in a position to win the outright championship with a favorable schedule based on, how, you know, the other part based on how this team was playing leading up to this, not just the Ohio State game. I mean, that to me, that was a bit of a – Okay, we're not you're not going to see that performance again type exactly, of thing. Exactly. But I but I I really hate that when when te- when coaches and teams fall back on, well, you know, we you know, we want spec to be here anyway. So, but no, I mean, you, this is the opportunity you have. Right, right. This is right staring you in the face. Right. And you don't take advantage of it for whatever reason. You don't you just didn't take advantage of it. And I I just I I really I, I hate that when they fall back on that crotch type of thing. Yeah. No, and I, and I thought, and I didn't, I didn't take that as a team that was uh, necessarily content with its, with its standing. I think that they see a lot of, obviously a lot of value in Saturday's game at Northwestern. They know they can still share a conference championship. They know that 10, 20 years from now, people just lump that in with however many championships they have. They don't say, well, that was the one that they didn't win outright yeah, or whatever. It'll be their, They'll probably win on Saturday. It'll be their twenty fourth. They'll still lead the conference, and everything will be fine. And and they're right. I mean, there's still a lot to play for for them, and their goals really, you know, hasn't you know they haven't changed that much. I mean, you're still going to get if you win, you're going to get a piece of the championship, and that's when you start a year. That's what you want to do. Um, but you had a prime opportunity to to win it by yourself, which I think enhances your standing when it comes to the NCAA tournament. You know, when you're a, yeah. a regular season outright champion, I think it carries more weight in that room as opposed to being, a, you know, a, a tri-champion or a co-champion or whatever it's going to be. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe it doesn't to those committee people, but I think it, it should. You know, it does in the big picture to me that being an, an outright champion of a Power 5 conference like the Big Ten over a 20-game season yeah. is is significant. But I guess we shouldn't be surprised that, you know, assuming pretty wins, that there's going to be co-champions out of this thing. Now, and here's the other dynamic, too. Well, and, and just quickly to, uh, along what you just said, remember when they did the early reveal, Purdue was the number nine team on the seed line. Michigan State was the eight. So just finishing one game ahead of them in the Big Ten, if, if the committee is making that decision, I'm not in their heads, but that could have been a factor. And I think now, it is. And now it can't be. Well, I, yeah, I, th- I think it is, but – then you, I mean, then you're going off. Then there's an opportunity to go off to a different subject because do you want to be the last two or the first three? 
Right. Now, two would, on paper, get you a more favorable matchup, but three definitely gets you closer to home. Do you want to play closer to home, or do you want to be a two with a, a more favorable matchup? And, the, you know, three may be, you know, the two in your bracket may be a better matchup than the, the three in your bracket if you're the two. I mean, there's just a lot of things with that. And um, But you, you fall where you fall, and you go play where you play. Right. But you're right. If you're the outright champion, maybe you slip ahead of Michigan State there, assuming you 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 win a you win a game or two in the Big Ten tournament, and you you got a chance to 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 you know depending on what else happens in the in the country, maybe you're not the last two. Maybe you're the the third two or the second two, depending on you know what else happens out there. But it, it kind of takes to me. It kind of takes that out of the equation a little bit, unless there's just a complete collapse of of teams yeah. not only around the country but in the Big Ten you know Michigan State getting beat early or or Michigan getting beat early in the in the Big Ten tournament uh but yeah those those all those things because there's you know there's games to be played if there's games to be played you still got an opportunity to 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 move up and or or move down depending on your performance you know it, it didn't surprise me that Purdue lost at Minnesota Minnesota is a good team that I think has underachieved a little bit Record-wise, Purdue is a good team that maybe has overachieved a little bit record-wise, you could argue, um, at least during Big Ten play. And uh, I don't I do not do predictions in the paper, but in the, the golden black uh, media mania thing that they do, which I vote in, I think you vote in that too as well. Do you do it during basketball? Okay. Um, I had Purdue, what, what, how many games they played? This is They've had 19 games. Oh, Big Ten games? I would have had them 19 and 0, probably. <laughs> well, it's a long winded way of saying in that weekly thing, I had actually picked them to lose that game at Minnesota. Um, but I think you, your, your analysis then of, of what ends up unfolding, while you have to take into account that Minnesota is a pretty good team and you're playing them on the road, you, you kind of analyze what you see in front of you. And it, it, it really seemed like a game that was there for Purdue to take and it got in its own way in, in a lot of ways. And, and I, I'm tired of writing about the, um, these, the, this kind of staggering inefficiency that, that Carson Edwards has run into on the road this year. I wrote about it today at jconline.com. There's a lot of stats in there and I don't have them right in front of me, but just his shooting percentages on the road in the big 10 are, <clears throat> are bad over the course of nine games. They're atrocious over the past four games. And, um, I, it, it what I wrote about what I wrote even in that, I think the the insider that I wrote coming out of that game was it's really easy to see right now it, kind of vision envision what the box score looks like when Purdue plays its last game this year and it's going to involve him going three for more than twenty shots um, probably more turnovers and assists and I don't as talented as he is I don't know how that is a sustainable offense for any team that expects to have success in the NCAA tournament. And, but I also don't really know what the remedy is. It's all just in him. He has to decide not to, he has to decide to play a different way, especially late in the game. Yeah. You know, you see, you know, in the beginning of the games, you know, if he wants to jack those threes up and he's not hitting, you you give him enough rope to, to get him, you know, see if he gets out of it. But I mean, I, I bet if you go back and I, you know, I know you chronicled how, how bad things have been, but, when things are going well for this team, his efficiency level, you know, he's not, he's not taking 30 shots. Mm -hmm. He's not taking that many shots. So at what point does the light go on? I mean, I'm 
100% convinced the coaching staff knows this. They this is, see it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah they, and, they know all this. But and, and I really do think that, not to interrupt, but I really do think there isn't a lot that Matt Painter can do at this point. He's not going to bench Carson Edwards. Right, nor should he. And I don't. And not only because I think he is too dynamic of a player to take off the floor, he does affect the defense even when he – it does affect another team's defense even when he doesn't have the ball, that sort of thing. There are hidden values in him beside his shooting percentages. But you also just don't have somebody else that you can put in for 20, 30 minutes a game to take right. those minutes. Well, but plus, when you take him out of the game, that means that the other team can play you more straight up, more honestly. Yeah. And then, when, then that cancels out Grady Eifert getting one-on-one coverage or open looks right. to now he's being guarded and everybody right. else being guarded a little bit more closely. Right. Uh, but you got to have him on the floor. I get that. But I guess the one thing I did when, when watching the game the other night, I kept waiting for him to change his game as it got closer to the end right. to get more people involved, to set up, you know, right. whatever, to kind of say, okay, this is the time we need to go to win the game. And – based on how he was shooting he was not going to win the game that way and but it never it, it never happened it just it never happened and it's not the first time that it hasn't happened but you're 30 some games into this thing that you would think that it, yeah. it would happen and you're right a couple of these games over the last couple of weeks you can look at and say that's your first round NCAA tournament game oh yeah and and oh, the, you're, the, you're playing better teams, really, probably than you're playing in, in some of those, and and that's what the curious thing is. They keep winning. They won in spite of that. Right. They they won at Indiana on the crazy tip in against a team that was also really struggling at that time, which has also had prolonged offensive problems this season. They win at Nebraska, kind of directly related to a couple of really bizarre plays that Grady <laughs> Eifert. I mean, really, you know, smart and right place at the right time plays. I'm going to take anything away from him. But those also aren't conventional plays that you can necessarily count on converting. And, you know, a, a game that they win by a close score on the road. And, you know, um, I, I don't – it's it's you mentioned the three-pointers. And if you look back at this game the other night, it wasn't all just the three-pointers. I mean, he didn't shoot a good percentage from three-point range either. But he's kind of just putting his head down and attacking the basket – and I know there's people out there who think he's not getting foul calls. Well, number one, you don't get those on the road to begin with. That's just a fact of life. And, and you go ask any player who plays at Mackey Arena, they'll tell you the same thing. Um, th that's just the way it is. I'm not saying it's right, but it, it is the way it is and something that you have to factor into the way I think you play the game. And number two, I, I went back to something that, that uh, Brad Underwood, the Illinois coach, said after that game, which was played at Mackey Arena. But he, he basically said um, – the word is out on him that he's going to just put his head down and try to go get fouled. And opposing teams know that, so they're going to kind of let him do that to some extent. And officials know that too. They know when you're just trying to, to go get fouled and that when you're not just making a play and get fouled in the process of it. And I think it affects the way that he, he is probably called. Now, are there probably times where he's getting fouled and it's not getting called? Yes, I think that probably is happening. It's also happening to the other 16 to 17 guys who play in a, in a basketball game over the course of a night. Yeah. Uh, the officials know when you're in control and when you're out of control and you don't get calls when you're out of control. And there are many times where he is, whether it's real or perceived, he is out of control going to the basket, knowing that he's just putting his head down, going to the basket. Uh, but that's not the way that they're going to, 
advance in the tournament, even in the Big Ten tournament. They're not going to advance that way. Now, he can have a, a superhuman night, but, you know, I don't know if that's going to carry over over three consecutive days or when you get to the tournament, two two games over over three days. But, you know, the the other thing that I noticed the other night, and I'm sure other people did too, it's when he, when he is taking those long shots, especially early in the game, the quick ones, I, I thought Minnesota just got a lot of run outs. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and it, there's and you could say, well, it's poor transition defense. Well, it's not poor transition defense when the ball, uh, when the ball's at half court, and three of your guys are underneath, ready to rebound, but just based on where the ball went, you you have two on ones and three on twos, and you just can't get back in time, and you're giving up easy baskets. Not only are you not scoring on one end, but you're you're giving up easy baskets on the other end, and that's a bit demoralizing and. I don't know how many times that happened the other night, but enough in a four-point game oh, yeah. that it, that it's a big difference. Yeah, and uh, Matt Painter was asked about this after the game the other night. You know, the runouts that they were getting, and he's, he was asked, you know, is that a credit to Minnesota or was that poor transition defense on Purdue's part? And um, I'm not carrying water for him, but I, I I agree with his response to that question, which is kind of transition defense is almost by nature poor defense. Like you, you're already on your heels, you're trying to catch up. You don't. You're not. Um, you're. You're not ahead of the play. You're not getting set. You're not setting a defense. Um, you know all these things that he's talked about over the years. That it, to some extent is coach speak, but is also sometimes things are coach speak because they're just fundamental to the game. The when you when you get the shot you want on an offense, a smart shot um, where you're in position, you're maybe getting them out of position. Even if that shot doesn't go down, your chances of going down and defending go up. When it's a shot out of rhythm, when it's a shot off balance, when it's a shot that they want you to take. Now they've got the upper hand going back the other way. And that was definitely happening in that game. And as I've said all along with Edwards, so I went ahead and looked. I found the story I wrote, and I looked at the numbers. It's in, in road games in Big Ten this year, 31.7% overall shooting percentage to win those nine games, 26.9% from three-point range. So it's not like I'm saying he needs to be shooting 50% from the field and 40% from three. I don't think that's, that's not what we're talking about here. All along when I've kind of tried to – give people some perspective on Edwards I've always said it's like just take five of those shots per night and don't take them get that shot somewhere else in the offense and then maybe your team only makes two of them but guess what that's four points and you don't lose that game the other night like it's that's how that's how narrow the margin is right now when you go on the road in the Big Ten it, to some extent it can be that way when you're at home and it's definitely that narrow in two weeks when they're playing in an NCAA tournament game on a neutral court against a team that is is you know right now you're playing some teams whether it's Nebraska, whether it's Ohio State, that maybe they're still playing for something, maybe they're not. There's there's some dynamics going on there. Everybody you play in an NCAA tournament game is playing for its life. It's 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 the most intense scenario you're going to play in all year. And I think Purdue has to have some concern about how he'll respond in those scenarios. You you mentioned down the stretch the other night. I think from the point they tied at 54-54, so he went on a 9-0 run, tied at 54-54, he missed nine shots in a row. And then made a three and then missed his last shot. So one of 11 over the last, whatever that was, seven and a half minutes. Um, and some of those are, are good shots that didn't go down. But there's also a lot of stuff in there that's forced, that's missed opportunities for Purdue. And sometimes I feel like we talk about this a lot. It's been written about a lot. It sounds like we're just picking on him. But when you when you kind of take for yourself that huge of a portion of the offense, you have to be more efficient with it. Right. You have, it, it, it's a responsibility. You want, you want him shooting, but you want him shooting at the right time. And I think the great... And he's a he's a great player by the numbers. He's a great player how he plays the game. But you know how is he going to be remembered here? How's you know what 
what legacy will he leave here? Um, is, is it is is he going to push his team to uh, a regular season championship number one or a Big Ten tournament championship, or is he, is he going to help his team get through the the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? And you, obviously, if you're a Purdue fan, you want you want that to happen. But I think for that to happen, he you know he needs to recognize how that needs to happen. And I. I Confident Matt Painter and everybody's had that talk with him over yeah. a year. It's not just well, Matt Painter needs to talk to him now. No, he's been talking to him more than a year. This <laughs> about, is about yeah, everybody yeah. who's been following this knows yeah. it's been going on for three yeah. years. This has been, and but this is this is part of getting these kind of players too, where they have you know they have to respond to to your coaching and, and recognize that. And um, yeah, I mean, I you know if if I was a Purdue fan going into the NCAA tournament, and it, you know they'll probably win Saturday and uh, win the reg- you know, help win the regular season title, but you know I don't I don't know how long this team is going to last. No, I, I just don't that for a couple of weeks, and yeah. even even in the Big Ten tournament too, I don't know how long that team is going to last. It's gonna it's going to depend on those matchups. Number one, and now you're going to play a team maybe for a third time, or you know a high state team that you just kicked their butt. And they clearly remember what happened there. And if you know you don't get other guys involved on a consistent basis, or you know, and I'm sure they keep all the numbers on their staff, but I'm I'd be curious as shooting percentage in the first 15 seconds of a shot clock, mm-hmm. as opposed to the last 15 seconds when it, you've run when you've run your offense to a point where he's getting maybe his best shot, as opposed to when he gets the ball and he just fires it up, you know. 25 seconds on the shot clock. I mean, I would, I would love to see those numbers to see. And I end up sure they've presented him to him and say, listen, here, when they, we run our offense, when we do all this stuff, you're getting better shots. You're more efficient. We're more efficient. And therefore, this is the way that we, that we need to play. But again, as you said, you're not going to sit him down. They absolutely have those numbers. Yeah. Other teams absolutely have those numbers. Have those, numbers. <laughs> right. those numbers are actually available commercially. If you, you can go out and subscribe it's fairly pricey. I've looked into it. Mm-hmm. You can go out and subscribe to those sorts of um, outlets that do that sort of work. Um, it's one thing as we were looking at the box scores after the game the other night. I said to one of the other reporters, um, you know, "It's the one thing missing from the modern box scores. If you know this thing is all automated, if it could just put a little number where the what the shot clock was right. when the shot went up, it would change. You would know so much more about a game." And um, I, I do think that's a factor. I do think there's other times though where it, it's not. Again, it's it, we have this thing in our mind sometimes that it's. It's these like thirty footers he's putting up, just just dribbling down and putting it up. I don't necessarily see that. I thought I really thought the problem the other night was just um, it was almost more off the drive. He's he's almost getting there, and then he's almost doing what they need him to do, which is which is work off the dribble. But then the decision isn't there. It's it's always you can tell that from the beginning of the play. It's I'm taking this to the rack regardless. Um, Pull up. So you know, I I think that you know, when is, Painter yells "move" all the time, right? He should substitute "move" for "pull up." Yeah, <laughs> and um, this kind of leads into something else I wanted to talk about. I wrote about it a little bit today. Um, I've got to do my Big Ten All Big Ten ballot this weekend, um, and I don't really know what to do with Carson Edwards. Quite frankly, um, he's probably a first team All Big Ten player. I don't believe he's the the Big Ten Player of the Year, which is contradictory to something I wrote before the year, which is. Okay, your preseason player of the year. Now the hard part is you got your team's got to go win. You can't win Big Ten player of the year at the end of the year unless your team wins. Well, guess what? Their team's going to maybe share the Big Ten championship, which right. I did not see coming at the time. And yet I feel like they've almost done it in spite of the way he's played at times. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a first teamer. I mean, I, I think now some I think of the numbers will tell you that he's not when you start comparing him. But when you look at, you know, obviously the the kid from Michigan State, Winston. I mean, he he's had the best overall year from start to finish, and he's more efficient. Uh, and his team could share the Big Ten title or right. not. I mean, I don't think um, you know Carson not winning it is any kind of. It's not a slap in the face. It's not a slap. He just, you know, if he's being honest with himself, if he's truly honest, he didn't have, he probably hasn't had the kind of year from, you know, number standpoint that he thought that he could have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in some ways, Purdue thought he needed to be at a certain level for them to contend for the the Big Ten championship. And then some nights he's had that and other nights he hasn't. You know, they're they're winning the champion. You know, they're going to have a chance to win a piece of the championship because of, you know, guys like Ryan Klein and Grady Eifert and Harms and how they've played and how no Trevion, Eastern. yeah, no Joe yeah. Eastern and Trevion Williams have you know have uh, have filled in uh, throughout throughout the year and and had had big games or, or big moments. That's why they're going to 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 win a share of this thing, or assuming they beat Northwestern. Uh, so, but you know, Carson, you know, if you're, I guess the question for you then is, I don't if, know if you're if debating you whether he's on first team or not. In your, I, in your mind. And, and even in, even if you're just doing it in the abstract, the, the question then becomes who do you put on instead of him? Right. Who are the, who are the five players? Do the men do 3-3-3 three, 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 or 5-5-5? Five, five, five? I vote in a couple of different things. I vote in the AP one. I vote in the official Big right. Ten one. I can't remember what the – Because the women, the, we, the do, we do 10 and 10. And and, I, I, so the Big Ten is just 10 players. It's just 10, it's 10 and 10? I think – no, no, no. It's it's fifteen players. It's five, five, five. And you vote five first team, five second okay. team, five third team. So who are the, who would who would be the five players you would put in front of Carson Edwards? I, I couldn't give you five. <laughs> and that, that was the thing. Like we, I was yeah. thinking about this the other night when I'm looking at like just how these numbers have have really dropped for him, especially on the road, especially in the most you know the places you need him the most. Um, but the fact is, a a what I was saying before is not just lip service. He does affect a game beyond what he does whether he makes a shot or not. that That's a legitimate thing. It does open up some of the other things you see Purdue doing that are positive things, whether that's the work on the offensive boards, whether it's the the percentage that Ryan Klein and Grady Eifert shoot from three. It, it's definitely a factor in how often they're able to slip Matt Harms into the on those, those cuts into the basket for easy baskets. All of that is some, I guess you'd say all of it, but a lot of it can be a byproduct of the attention that Carson Edwards draws. Um, and he, you can't overlook the fact that some nights he does go out and shoot the heck out of the ball and have some really great nights. And he's, you know, Ryan Klein is a really good player, but I still think Edwards is the one guy on the team that could go do that, just blow up in that kind of way on a night where he just takes over a game. Right. So I, I, I think he probably is still a first-team player, but in my mind right now, going into the last game, which means it probably won't change a whole lot, I think it's 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 either Cassius Winston or I, I'm actually still a really big Ethan Happ fan just for the, all the ways he affects a game. But considering that Winston is going to probably potentially share the Big Ten championship, that would probably be the guy that I would give the nod to, partially just because I feel like at Purdue, everybody got better around Edwards, but I don't know if it was a direct correlation yeah. to him. I, yeah. I think. Whereas I think when you watch Cassius Winston play, you see a guy – who makes that whole team better on offense, at least? Well, plus the injuries that they've had, he's kept he's right. kept them together. But the thing I think the bigger question with Carson is, will he be a unanimous first team, I don't whether think by he the will. media or the coaches? And to me, that's more of a telling sign, where he's the at the beginning of the year he is the preseason player of the year, 
I, but will he be a unanimous first team selection, either media or coaches? As I wrote in what I wrote today on jconline.com, I've talked to reporters who said they're not putting him on their first team. Now, I think he may still be. It would not surprise me if he was still unanimous from the coaches. Right. Because they're not cynical bastards in the same way that reporters are, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, where we have we, we, we look at things sometimes a different way for better or for worse. Um, and I think a coach a coach looks at a, a coach coaches I think vote on this sometimes by who did I have to game plan for? And while Grady Eifert and, and players like that have, have obviously made really good contributions this year, I don't they're in the game plan, but I don't think they're a focus no, the way I mean, the Carson Edwards. You're, you're still you tell any people, game, yeah, mm-hmm. any game. Who's North, Northwestern's going through film today? Who are they focused on? Right, Carson Edwards. Right, and you know they're also and what also creeps into the head of coaches a little bit too is like, okay, how's this? He's an NBA guy, mm-hmm. or he's not an NBA guy type of, type of thing. Right. I don't know if that creeps in the heads of the writers that do it, and whether that's. Part of it or not part of it, you know, that's for each individual to decide. But that, I think that plays a role as as well that, okay, is this, how's this guy going to, you know, I see this guy at the next level, so he's got to be one of the five best players in the Big Ten. But, again, if you're not going to put him on there, who who, who, do you, who are you putting on there? Right. And that, that's the thing. Like, I think, you know, right now I'd say the first team is probably Carson Edwards, Ethan Happ, Cassius Winston, probably Bruno Fernando from Maryland who's had actually a really great year. And that fifth guy, I think you could go a lot of ways. You could go, um, you probably go Ignis Presdakis from Michigan, who's probably going to be the freshman of the year. Um, I suppose you could find somebody at Michigan, whether, you know, a Charles Matthews, somebody like that. Um, boy. Uh, Does Bohannon get Bohannon from Iowa, yeah. I think, is probably going to get some consideration. Um you know, a guy who's had a really good year and hit some hit some huge shots over the course of the year. I mean, where would Iowa be right now? I mean, they're in sixth place, which is not where they want to be. But where would they be if he hadn't <laughs> had a couple of buzzer beaters this year? I mean, he's had, you know, um, I mean, Amir Coffey from Minnesota is coming off back-to-back 30-point games. I mean, right. he's a real talent, but his team hasn't won. Um, so I don't know that you're going to find five guys to put ahead of Edwards. You're going to have to squint a little bit to get there. Considering Purdue won the championship, considering he is still their most dynamic player, probably their quote unquote best player. Um, so he, I agree, he's probably still a first team talent. But um, what I think is more interesting is um, looking down the ballot now, which Purdue players have played their way into potential third team, probably, probably not second team, but, but, but third team consideration this year. Um, that we, we did not see coming at the beginning of the year. I mean, you could you could make a legitimate case for Nojel Eastern, Matt Harms, Ryan Klein, and, and probably Matt Harms too, the way he's been playing recently. I could see any of those guys getting a vote on somebody's ballot, at, at least a third-team vote, and, and being in, end up being honorable mention All-Big Ten, which is, for some of those guys, a, 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 a big um, accomplishment from where they started the year. Uh, yeah, when you get down to trying to vote for the 13th, 14th, and 15th player, that's where some of those guys probably will end up. I, you know, I think Klein probably uh, – he would probably be the first guy that come to mind as a third-teamer. Um, and then probably – it's probably close between uh, Harms and, and Eastern, in my opinion. Um, I think if Eastern – there's going to be people, especially on the, the coach's side, because media, I don't believe, votes for 
defensive. They, they don't, I think they don't trust the media to vote for right. anything defensively. Right, but <laughs> there's going to be coaches who who believe that probably that Nojel Eastern might be the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Those kind of people are maybe going to put him on third team just based on that. Well, they sh- and, and they, they probably should if you are. He's also produced leading rebounder. Right, but if, if you're the Defensive Player of the Year, you have to be in the top 15. You would in, think in, so. In my opinion. You would think so, yeah. Uh, it opinion. hasn't always played out that way, but right. you, you would think so. On a little bit of side note, I've thought of this, thought about this the last several weeks. You remember last spring when we were doing the podcast and we got word that he was going to put his <laughs> name into the NBA Like evaluation? literally during the podcast, I It was think. right before the podcast. Yeah. And we're all like, what the heck is this kid? <laughs> and I and tell you what, you know, I laughed about it then, but the steps that he's made this year, I mean, he looks much more like a – like a real ball player. And oh, yeah. you know, the part of that's just the growth process and being now being a sophomore, but he just he just carries himself so much better. Yeah. And now when he goes and I assume he'll do it again, you know, I'm not I'm not laughing this time. No, and I will tell you what, it's it we, we get we our our eyes betray us a little bit because you watch a guy who doesn't doesn't even shoot jump shots really. He shot one the other night at right. Northwestern. We were like, wait, whoa, well, it's been a while. And he isn't yet efficient enough at finishing around the basket. That's something he's got to work on. I would think that's probably something he'll work on with Brandon Brantley as much as anybody. I've already seen him do some work with the front court guys before games, just working on post moves. Um, that's where his biggest offensive contribution can come down the road. But what he's done to make himself a consistent, legitimate free throw shooter a guy who can close out a game at the free throw line there was absolutely no way i would have (laughs) expected that coming into the year let alone last year um a guy who is potentially the best on ball defender in the big 10 as far as perimeter defenders uh produce leading rebounder a guy who's a real weapon there um it's just the and it just kind of just the his his presence in the game is so different than it was last year because his role has changed yeah he's got a a much different role as opposed to trying to squeeze out a few minutes with four seniors uh on the floor but i just i just thought he has throughout the year not just recently just kind of stepped up and that's kind of something i've always thought about when i watch every time i watch him on tv it's like man i was (laughs) i was cracking (laughs) jokes about you going into the nba draft evaluation well it's like why is this guy doing that but whether it was that or something else or just you know just you go from a freshman to a sophomore it's probably a combination of things but he's really he's really upped his game and not to get too far ahead but really curious what assuming he's back you know what uh what's in store for next year well his his speed and his you know at the nba level you can kind of get by with you're, you're always going to have four other guys on the floor who can score Probably you can be the one guy who doesn't. They can put right. you out there to be a defensive and rebounding specialist relative to your position. I think um, it would be a bench role. It's not going to be probably a front line role. But there's guys who have really long bench careers in the NBA and have pretty happy, successful lives. And um, I, I too thought that it was a real stretch last year that he was he was doing it. Um, and I think it's just it's a more realistic prospect for him now. But I do think he's also a guy that. Um, what's most intriguing about him is what you're talking about is, okay, now another year of growth, another year of, of working on getting more efficient around the basket, another year of shooting all those free throws, another year of, of just tweaking whatever you can to, to make people respect the jump shot at all. 
now what kind of a player are you? Another year of, of just uh, physically, he's still a young guy. I mean, another year of, of uh, he's already really physically impressive, but another year of growth there. Um, w- what can he do? What kind of matchup problems can he create um, and take advantage of? Yeah, I, I think he is a really intriguing player next year for, for Purdue, for the Big Ten. Um, and, and same with, with Matt Harms, kind of along the same lines. I think he's a guy who's going to have professional opportunities. I don't know if he'll do the NBA thing uh, this summer or not. We haven't really got into that with any of those guys, obviously. But um, somebody that would probably benefit from it, I think he's probably turned some heads. But another guy who you see a, a higher ceiling on all these guys, even though they're already playing at a pretty high level. Yeah, with Harms, how much support will he have for Defensive Player of the Year? He may get some. I, I think he, he wasn't really blocking – quote-unquote, a lot of shots for a good portion of this season. Um, and there was even a stretch where, you know, he's coming off the bench behind Williams, and that was more of just the dynamic that helped him and helped Purdue more than some reflection of him not playing well, really. But um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. And I think it's it, it's one thing if you're if you're blocking just the, the undisputed number of shots that, that changes games. I don't know that you've seen that for some reason. It just, again, this is kind of the eye test that, that eye test. He wasn't passing that eye test for a part right. of this season, but he has of late. I mean, he's, he's, he's ramped it up of late, started making a bigger impact there. So um, I, I would definitely think he's someone who's in consideration for the all defensive team. I would think that Eastern will probably maybe get more credit, more votes for, potentially being defensive player of the year. There's some other guys out there. I know Izzo's really been talking about Matt McQuaid for that that same um, that same honor, and he's a guy who has guarded Carson Edwards um, earlier this year and, and limited him, and that's probably one of the things they'll put on his resume. So um, I don't know, but I think Purdue will be – Purdue will probably be more – well, should be better represented across the board here than we would have expected coming into the year. I think you're going to see some names, and, and, and prominently I think Matt Painter is – I don't know who else you'd vote for for Big Ten Coach of the Year. I suppose Izzo because of the the injuries and stuff that they went through that he had to help them through. But, I mean, nobody else – you know you know that these often come down to, especially on the writer's side, who who exceeded our our wisdom I coming didn't pick, into I didn't season. pick you to win, so you right. must be the and greatest you won, coach. So you must be amazing. <laughs> I don't – I look at where every other team in this league is and you think, yeah, that's pretty much – other than maybe, you know, Nebraska – um, and Indiana um, on the negative side. But you look at anybody else that's had a positive season and you think that's pretty much where I expected them to be. Um, probably the one exception to that would be Purdue. And or unless unless you really think that, that Rutgers potentially finishing eight and twelve if they win at Indiana on Sunday, if if that's enough to get someone like Steve Peichel. I, I think it that's that's very admirable and he's doing good things there, but I think you go with somebody who's up at the top and I think it could be that one could be unanimous depending on how many people decide to well, vote for Rizzo. It, it, it probably should be unanimous. Uh, I mean, I think he's a national big. I think he's a national think, coach of the year contender. Frankly, yeah. I mean, I, it probably should be unanimous. I would think from a coaching standpoint, yeah, uh, just because they understand better than anybody where Purdue was at coming into the Big Ten season and what they've done through the Big Ten season. I, I would expect it. I'd be a little surprised if it's not unanimous. Uh, the writers, probably not unanimous because, you know, everybody, you know, they're going to look at it a little bit differently than the coaches do, I think. And, you know, record coach might get a, might get a vote out of that, or Izzo might get a vote from, you know, his, you know, the guys that cover him because they're up close and personal to, to the things that they've been through and be, you know, the storms that they've had to weather, 
uh, a little bit. But yeah, I think on the coach's side, it, it should be unanimous that Painter would be the coach of the year. And as you said, I think he, I think he's going to move on. You know, whatever national coach of the year honors are out there, you know, I think he's going to be in be in contention for that. Now, I don't know, like when the voting for that is done, is that is that done at the end of the regular season, or is that done is that done something at through the well, tournament? All of this, all of our ballots are due this weekend, Sunday for. For all I, these know, big I know the Big Ten stuff. but Oh, the national, the national stuff? The national I, I, stuff. I don't know because that's that's not something that I vote in. I'm not sure when that, that voting occurs. To me, that's, you know. I think it's I think there's probably different deadlines for different yeah, awards. Yeah, they do it in baseball. I mean, baseball is based on regular season right. stuff. But you, you get in a situation where, you know, a guy gets knocked out in the first round of the NCAA right. tournament. He's, he's your national national right. coach of the year. Just, I'm trying to think if that happened last year with Tony <laughs> Bennett at all. It might have. It probably did. Yeah. Um, but. You know that's that's the criteria. That's what you 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 put in the votes uh, when they're when they're due. But yeah, I I think Purdue will be well representative. Not only you know probably with Carson Edwards in the top five, you know at least one or two other players on the third team, and then anybody else is probably going to get some honorable mention. And 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 you know, as you said, a guy like Grady Eifert, if he gets honorable mention Big Ten, that's his that's a first team honor. Oh. In yeah. his mind, I mean, how many way. how many walk ons ever were honorable mention All Big Ten throughout right. the Big Ten? I mean, there's right. there's I'm sure it's happened more often than you'd think, but but it's also still very rare, and um, that's maybe a topic for another podcast. It just is Grady Eifert the best walk on in Purdue basketball history. I don't know the full history of whoever actually walked on here, but he's certainly the best one that Matt Painter has ever had, I would argue. Well, you know, you got Bobby Riddell. You yeah, got Bobby, Bobby Riddell. Yeah, you know, Drew Anthrop, <laughs> uh, Stephen Torre. I mean, these guys these guys got in games and, and, and played at times, some of them more than others, but um, none of them were starters, full, started for a full season, were captains. I, I don't know if Riddell started for a full season. Oh. They're late in his career. He might have. I don't know. But Tommy Luce is still the most popular. <laughs> Tommy Luce is still <laughs> the the king of Mackey Arena. Um, but one thing, as you're talking about the awards, one thing I wanted to – you brought up a good point, which is someone like Carson Edwards probably gets nitpicked more by us in terms of where he belongs than he might for the from the, the people at Iowa or Rutgers or whoever who are voting for these awards – because they don't see it every day. So sometimes it's and, and the same for us. I mean, we 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 bring up Justin Bohannon, but maybe or Jordan Bohannon, but maybe people there are like, um, uh, uh, I don't know. That seems like a real stretch to get him off right. of the second team, whatever. So uh, it's it, remember, sometimes it goes both ways. People think that there's like voting as a homer for the guy in your backyard, which happens. But the, the other also happens where sometimes you overanalyze things a little bit and think, we uh, see we see all the warts. You see all the warts, and yeah. and and sometimes those get because you see it every day. Those can sometimes obscure, and and it can work in reverse too. People from the outside see Ethan Happ how he misses all these free throws, but that's like the one ward of his game where he's so good in all these other areas. Um, so it's 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 all opinions. That's what I I want to remind people. All of these are opinions. It's all about a, a consensus. It's not. It's not a slap in the face. You know, Matt Painter made a big deal last year about Dakota Mathias not being third team at least. And he's like, "There's no way he's not one of the top 15 players in the Big Ten. I'm like, "Well, what if he was number 16 in the votes by one vote? Like, is it still a big outrage? Right. Is it just he was right there and they cut it off? Like, that's that's how life is. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, you do those. That, you know, those people that cover the programs on an everyday basis have, you know, do have better insight. 
but they also look at look at things because they've seen they've seen the bad games along with the good games, and they know um, with you know when Carson's for you know when he's really good, he's really good, but when he's when he's not shooting the ball well, he can look really bad, yeah. and he doesn't look like a first team guy. But for the one or two times that an opposing media member may watch him in person, um, he may have gone off for you know ungodly numbers and. He's going to be a first-team guy, and that's why it's you know uh, it's always important to to take the big picture into into case and and you know with every game being on TV, not that you have a chance to watch every single Big Ten game, but they're there for you to to at least you know build up some knowledge about guys and what you see one night may not be what you see the next, and it's. It is about the consistency over a, a, a twenty-game season, and um, and I think it's important to keep that in mind. And but there are some guys that are just talented enough that they they need to be on that first team, and I think he's probably one of them, uh, regardless of what his numbers are, are saying right now. Because as you say, um, you know who are you game planning to take away, and that you know a lot of you know sometimes that's what it comes down to with these things especially on the coach's side yeah. like who am i taking away who do, who do i got to take away here and right. um and he's definitely a you know a guy that would would rank right there well check uh jconline.com this weekend for uh my ballot there i i'm always pretty transparent with that and like to post those so probably sometime sunday maybe i'll get that up um and follow me on twitter at inbearjc i sorry inbearjc I will be in Evanston on Saturday for the resolution of this regular season. Follow him on Twitter at Carmen underscore JC. He is uh, following women's basketball right now in the Big Ten tournament. They play in Nebraska tonight. Thursday night. Thursday night. Um, We are recording this Thursday afternoon. Um, Also follow him uh, for Purdue football spring practice news. They're on a little hiatus right now. Thank you. (laughs) But but when they're back at it, he'll be back at it as well and, and bringing you updates there. So, um, find us on wherever you find your podcast, rate us, review us, subscribe, give us feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. I'm Nathan Baird. He's Mike Carmen. We'll see you next week.